So. Stretch it out. Stretch it out. Yep. At least we're... Bend over and touch your toes. Right? Can't do it. Nobody Never could, could anyway. So. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, it's exactly. funny. They tried to get me to do that in grade school, and I couldn't do it. So no- yeah. nothing has really changed except the belly's just f- further out. <laughs> not helping, sure. <laughs> yeah. It's not helping, but it's also not hurting. Yeah. Oh, I, I was never called Flexi McFlexi Pants, ever. Yeah, right. So I don't expect to touch my toes. It was a very brief time when I could touch my toes. Very brief. And that's it. I still remember in gym class in, in uh, I think it was fifth grade, my PE teacher going, come on, touch your toes. I'm like, I can't. I that, literally cannot. That is when you sit down, go Indian style, and just lift your foot up. There, yeah. touch it. There right there. That's right. Easy easy peasy. What next, Captain? Well, I was you, trying to get coach. you to do it straight-legged. It was like, if I bend my knee a little bit, I can. Yeah. And they're like, no, you got to do it straight-legged. I'm like, not going to happen. When in <laughs> life am I going to need to touch my toes straight-legged? Right? That's, well. I, I, I have opposable thumbs, and I have friggin' knees. You know, I, I'm I'm an advanced creature on this planet. I was made I was made to give up a recess to learn how to skip. When have I ever needed to know how to skip? Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got I got held out of recess because I couldn't skip. What? Wait, you? Yeah, yeah. The PE wow. teacher was like, "You need to learn a, how to skip." And I'm a, like, "What? Not I need Boy. to unpack in that." Senior phys ed was rough on on poor Jeff. <laughs> no, this is grade school. No, no, I know. No, 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 no. That was part of his senior thesis in college. There you go, yeah. You don't graduate till you skip, Gunter. (laughs) You you have to skip to pick up your diploma. There you go. (laughs) Damn. Although, the visual image of Jeff skipping is gorgeous. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm I, all for it. Jeff, can hey, you skip yet? Have you ever oh learned yeah, how to skip? I learned how to do it. <laughs> oh, I got that. I've shit never down. done it since. Jeff, would you mind never demonstrating for us right now? Uh, yeah. Where the fuck am I gonna skip? <laughs> From the kitchen into the living room. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with no. <laughs> then I have no proof that Jeff knows how to skip. You got to set out another recess. Oh God, I just can't. Is, I, I can't. I don't know. Is there enough joy in the world you can imagine <laughs> making Jeff skip down the street? <laughs> this happened. We well, not only that, but to, to make a kid stay in for recess, I they couldn't skip. I just yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it you was, know, humiliation not, yeah. just so much for child development. <laughs> well, apparently, when I was in grade school, it was. Oh my god! Yeah, they made me skip outside around the. <laughs> The jungle gyms and stuff where all the kids are playing on recess, and I'm... And you're skipping in front of all the kids! All, all the way around the oh goddamn God. playground. This is reminding me of the fun. scene in Full Metal Jacket when Vincent D'Onofrio yes. is walking in with his pants down around his ankles, oh, sucking shit, his yeah. thumb with his gun upside down. So, was it, was it, so, so they made you... They wanted to make you skip by yourself around? Is that... Well, the, yeah, the teacher followed me around. She's like, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> yeah. At his home that night at dinner table, do it. Do it. Eat your Brussels sprouts, do it, then skip. Just see it, Jeff's dad holding the letter from school in his hand, staring at Jeff. <laughs> the detention for two weeks? Is that what I'm reading here? Who's, who's skip? Oh, my God. Jeff's own little breakfast club. 
You mess with the bull, you get the horns. Now skip. I can't touch my toes. Two more weeks. I can do this all day. I can't skip or touch my toes. You miss the kickball every time. <laughs> uh, kick, folks. Kickball was really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, there see you that should have gotten you a pass. There you go. You know, I can't skip, but I can kick this Tight damn ball. tendons mean you can kick really well. Can go. we meet in the middle? Yeah. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 541. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Skippity K. Weird to talk weak and geek. I, I, I've never heard that story. I love that story so much. <laughs> it's great when he it's occasionally so pulls one of those out. Yes. The, the catch Todd on off guard stories. I, I love it. Oh, this was well before I knew Todd. So. Well, yeah, well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Is is that it? You don't tell Todd anything before you two became friends. Why, dark, why? Well, they're sealed in a in a judge's chamber. Todd, so that's that why. was in the before it, time. Sealed in a chamber called my brain. <laughs> Certain things just pop in there, like oh yeah, that reminds me of this. And you, I, we're, legally, we're not allowed to know anything you did before he was eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, I hope everybody's staying safe out there. It's uh, still a tumultuous time. I do want to make sure everybody is uh, still taking COVID very, very seriously. Yes. I did lose somebody close to me this week. And uh, so uh, please, please take it seriously, especially with everything opening up and everything getting relaxed. Uh, it's nasty. And, and I know some of you have the opinion, well, I'm young. I'll be safe if I get it. And it's, you're, you might be right. You might absolutely be right. Uh, in fact, chances are probably in your favor for that. But it doesn't mean that uh, chances are you're in your favor when you play a Russian roulette, too. It doesn't mean it's a good thing to play. So so just, you know, be smart, be safe, and for the sake of others, you know, wear masks. That's, that's all I'm going to say about it at this and- point. As far as the masks, if you're going to wear them, wear them right, please. <laughs> I, I am seeing so many people... Wearing the mask only over their mouth, not over their nose. Oh yes, uh, you know the best. Uh, the best meme I saw online was the uh, wearing a mask like this, where the mask was under the nose, is the same as this, and it showed somebody with their underwear pulled down where their dick was hanging over the top of the underwear. And I'm like, yep, it's exactly that's, the that's same. Exactly that. the it's exactly the same. I wear my mask right, but I refuse to wear my pants right. So you, you know, go. I'll meet you halfway. I'll meet you halfway. Since when sure. did you start wearing pants? Well, not in months at this point. <laughs> Who needs them? He, yeah. he doesn't wear pants at home. This is true. This is absolutely true. I get home, the <laughs> pants come off, and I am wandering willy. Well, maybe not that far. That's <laughs> It's like the time I walked through the TV room, and there was a pile of laundry, the clean clothes of Andy's, and on the floor right next to them was this neat little circular... Uh, as though just slide off a cylinder pile of underwear. Oh, no. Where he'd obviously just dropped his underwear and pulled some new ones on right there <clears throat> in the TV room. Oh. And it was funny. A gift for everyone. Yeah, and, and then just left the underwear there because uh, the act of putting on underwear totally made him forget he'd taken some off. And what's really funny is Steve was in the living room sleeping oh. when, when he did this. It's a magic moment. Yeah. So we all got close. Not even to get day. into the whole dirty underwear to clean underwear and not showering probably between the two. I, but well, <laughs> we yeah. So yeah, yeah. We've, we've done that. Put on taking off the dirty underwear. Put on clean underwear without a shower. No. No wait. You kidding me? <laughs> no. Please, I call that Tuesday. 
Well, yeah. I mean, uh, on a on a no shower day, yeah, I do that. Yeah, because I can't. If I shower every day, I'm going to dry out and get all ashy. Sure, and I'm not going to want to keep the dirty underwear on. Yeah, don't put no, don't put dirty underwear back yeah. on. I'm not. I mean, you know, that's why I'll mention it on the podcast, but I won't confront Andy directly about this. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Because you know, it's good that he's putting on clean underwear even when he hasn't bathed. Baby steps. Yeah, baby steps sure. to the underwear pile. <clears throat> there you go. So. And I do want to shout out to Andy. We, we miss you, brother. It's, it's, it's As you safe. can tell. Indeed. And Matt, especially, he's still out there fighting the good fight. So yep. uh, on a weekly basis, he sees shit you don't want to see. So, yeah. so all our hearts go with him. Yeah, it's poor guy's probably not going to be on for quite a while. No, probably he's, not. We probably he lost him on forever. the front lines dealing with this stuff. So. Yeah, it's at, so. at least for a good while uh, because, frankly, he's exposed to it just about every day. Yep. Every day, it's. It was uh, nice knowing you, Matt. <laughs> so, so gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? I watched a uh, movie. How does the title go exactly again? The night comes. The uh, the night the lights went out in Georgia. No. Oh. The night comes Stalker. for us. But, oh, sorry. The night comes for us. I've, I've seen that on Pornhub. Yeah. Yeah. The night comes for us. Yes. This is uh, starring... Is this uh, a Bukaki movie? Nope. Okay. No. Or The Night Comes After Us or something like that. But okay. I can't remember the exact title. It's um, It actually stars... You see, I, I'm, not, <clears throat> I'm, imagine, I'm not imagining the sky knight. I was, I was no. imagining like an armored knight. Oh. And so I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, okay. try, I'm tr- already trying to dissect from yeah, the title. No. What, you, what what movie is this? This is a, it's a martial arts movie. Oh, okay. And uh, it's actually made by, uh, or rather starring two of the actors from The Raid. Ah, already so, big points. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting because uh, these two actors played allies, co-workers in The Raid, but in this one, they're uh, friends who had a falling out and are fighting each other. Uh-huh. So, and it, it's like a triad, Chinese triad thing where uh, they're, it's uh, vying for control and, you know, all that stuff. So, hmm. really fracking brutal. Really? Some of the most brutal fighting stuff I've seen in a while. It's called so, Come On My Night. What is it? Oh, Jesus God. Christ. <laughs> Fucking A. Give me a second, said, Paul, while I look this up. The night comes for us, did you say? Oh, boy, oh, Is there a boy. comma between on and my? There is no on. Is there a comma? <laughs> Come on, Eileen. Oh, boy. You know, I don't know why I do this. <laughs> I know why you do it. Because you can't remember shit. That's <laughs> what? Suffers, we, no, I'm not he talking suffers about. from CRS. <laughs> uh, um, uh, the night comes for us. The night comes for us. You yep. had it right the first time. Okay. Yep. I had it right the first time, but somebody was a dick. <laughs> Jeff. I didn't say anything. <laughs> this time. Um, yeah, the, uh, the uh, Indonesian movie. Just like the raid, but it's not directed by the uh, the raid director. It okay. is another director. And Chinese uh, triad friends have a falling out and punch each other, and it it gets really brutal. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of brutal fighting, like, like old boy kind of brutal. Even 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 a little more than that. Oh, uh, there's one uh, 
one uh, assassin who has like a razor sharp garret. Garrot? Garrot? I usually go with Garrot. Okay. Mrs. Garrett. Garrot. <laughs> girls, um, and, girls, girls. <clears throat> and so there are actually two <laughs> moments when uh, the, it, it's like whipped around the neck to decapitate someone and they block it with their fingers and their fingers get cut off. Fun times. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, ah, here we are. Eco Uwes, the, the martial Ico, Ico Arnett. <laughs> and uh, Joe Taslim uh, are the two the two main actors, and they are the ones who uh, uh, <clears throat> have the falling out. They also played fellow cops in uh, the raid. Uh, there's one very good special effect where a shotgun blows somebody's head off, and it 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 blows somebody's head off. Oh, all it, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you remember the what scene? What you see is what you get. Yeah. In Terminator 2, when uh, Sarah Connor's shooting the uh, poly alloy uh, Terminator. And the it, mythic like, poly alloy. And it, and it actually, like, does the split and kind of... Yeah. Ha- yeah. That, but not poly alloy. But not poly alloy. That uh-huh. is flesh and blood. So, <clears throat> it is one of the most brutal. It is insane. Um, but it's... Uh, is it so totally brutal? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally brutal. So, all right, yeah. So that was that the most brutal thing ever. Yeah, it was good too. I had a nice, nice needed a nice violent jam and sometimes, yeah, <laughs> often let those juices flow. Yeah, so so there was or, that, or, or let the night come on you, as that might say. Mm. <laughs> well, I don't know. You're gonna get past that cod piece. <laughs> what else you do, guys? Jeff. What uh, came on you? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> so, as promised, I did watch uh, those two documentaries I talked about last week. Uh, the, the Flash first, one. The Life the, a, or After li- Flash. After Flash. Just called After Flash. Leave it's Life After Flash. Okay, Life Let After Flash. Just double check. But, yes. Now, they've got the majority of the cast in there talking about the making of the movie. So, it's part making of, but mostly geared towards what happened to Sam Jones post- the Flash, or post-Flash, rather. So it focuses and mostly on Yeah, Jones. Flash Gordon. Does, yes, Flash the, Gordon. That, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> I, I, in case every, anybody To be fair, I was reading a, stories about The Flash TV show today, so my uh-huh. brain keeps going to well, The Flash, Todd didn't even though I'm talking about either. Flash right, Gordon. Right, because I thought you were talking about Flash Thompson. I was on a Spider-Man <laughs> kick. No. But yes, uh, uh, Life After Flash, uh, it's about like an hour and a half after long. Flash? What's with your Pornhub shit? What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Anyway. uh, But yeah, talks about his career taking a a dive. After Flash? After after Flash Gordon. And they get into a little bit why about some mistakes that he made, choices he made, as he calls himself a foolish young man. So there's a lot of people that may or may not know. There There was some drama on set during the making of the film and that led to as Todd pointed out the entire film being dubbed his his voice was completely dubbed which uh oh wow apparently infuriated a lot of the cast as well uh I don't want to say too much more but it's a really nice documentary I definitely recommend checking it out there's several places it's available I watched it on Amazon Prime Video cuz it's included with Prime so that's a that's a good 
uh, easy way to watch it. The other one was called Never Surrender, which is a Galaxy Quest documentary, which I learned a lot about that movie that I didn't know. I didn't know that Harold Ramis was originally tapped to direct the film and bowed out well into pre-production. They were already casting, sets were being built, and he bowed out. And they get into it in there, so I don't want to say too much more. Let's give you something to watch. But uh, no, they that, have that, interviews that hooks, with the, I, that hooks me. I'm there. Yeah, they they have interviews with the entire cast. You know, basically telling about how the movie that we got was very different from the movie that was originally planned. But pretty wow. much everybody <clears throat> believes that the movie that we got was the better version. Hmm. A lot of fans consider it a quote-unquote perfect movie. I don't necessarily think it's a perfect movie, but it's definitely in my it, top 100. It is pretty terrific. It's a, it's, in fact, that's one of the things they point out. It's like, it's the best Star Trek movie that's not a Star Trek movie. Okay, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, so. It's better than a couple of yeah. Star Trek movies. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that too. Oh, and going back to Life After Flash, I almost forgot. There's a cameo in there by, by our, our good friend Mark White's. Oh, in, really? In the, uh, ah. in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, the documentary. And I, I literally was just watching it, and I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> and it's... Uh, it's now, a it's Mark a fun White, little Mark White's used to be a uh, alien at Star Trek: The Experience yes. as a Klingon, and uh, currently, or well, as as is referenced in the the documentary, currently performing as the alien warrior comedian. So oh, I don't I don't know how much he is still doing that, but in the documentary, which was released last year, but apparently they started shooting in 2015, he's in that. Oh wow. So, but yeah, very cool. It was, it was, it was one of those little like, like those like, oh, that's cool moments. But yeah, going back to Never Surrender, uh, interviews with the whole cast, the director, a lot of the people that worked on the production uh, from both crew and um, produ- uh, producer standpoint. So you have a lot of angles of how the movie got made, and it's it's actually quite fascinating. Because, like I said, it's it's a fun movie, and I, I'm interested what what it would have gone if it had been a. It wasn't originally intended to be a family movie. Okay. Mm. A lot of the actors were like, "Yeah, we were swearing all the time on set." <laughs> so, I mean, the, the the most blatant one, which is not a surprise to anybody, is uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver as Gwen when they're about to enter the Crushers. And it's clearly oh, overdubbed. Very well, much screw so. that. Yeah. You know, it's very obvious um, <laughs> that she says fuck. But that. apparently, there are other instances in the movie which they talk about in the documentary that aren't so obvious. They've they've dubbed over a a much cleaner version line. But uh, yeah, it's 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 quite fascinating. If you're ever interested in you know how your favorite movies get made, that's definitely a documentary to check out. I can't get past the fact. That Jeff's hair has reached a length where, wearing those headphones, he looks like he's wearing a yarmulke. Really? Wow, yeah. You kind of do. Yeah, I guess it is time for a haircut. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like he's ready to take a jaunt down to the Wailing Wall and... Have a tequila, have a... (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Had a bit of a... Nightmare on Elm Street themed week this week. Oh, yeah. What? What yeah. happened? Are you okay? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't need to see any of the Nightmare on Elm Streets proper. I've seen them so many times. It's it's They're all ingrained. Uh, but I mentioned a while back that I could barely remember the 
remake Platinum Dunes, Nightmare on Elm Street that they oh, did yeah, yeah. in the early aughts. And so I revisited that uh, this week and was fully reminded why that is a horrible movie. Oh. It's just full on, <laughs> just a terrible, terrible choices were made. So terrible you movie. blocked it out of your memory. Pretty much. Uh, it's it's not good uh, on many levels. Here's the thing. It's uh, Jackie Earl Haley, the guy that plays Freddy in it, does yes. a good job. Yes. He's, uh, he's very good. Rorschach. Well, uh, yeah, the guy played Rorschach and Watchmen. Definitely the best part of that whole film. Uh, but You and I saw that in the theater, yes, actually. We yes, we did. Yeah. And it's, but on the same time, his characterization of Freddy, not his fault, the script's fault, is horrible. The whole choice and what they decided to change about Freddy, and here's, yeah. the, here's the big change. The whole idea of Freddy Krueger in the original films is the sins of the father is put on the son. So because the parents did an evil, the kids will suffer for it. Right. And that's the whole idea. In the original one, it was pushed that Freddy was a child killer. He was a murderer. And this one, they push that he's a pedophile through and through. And the reason he comes back is the, the parents killed him, yes, but the reason that he's killing, going back and killing the kids is because the kids told on him. And that is a characterization of Freddy that is just gross and yeah. not fun to watch. And, and, and it's, it, has a, hmm. it, it has a horrible sexual tone to it. Yeah. That that the original didn't have because it never went with that angle. It never went that he 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 fucked and killed kids. He he was just a child murderer. And this one, he wasn't a child murderer. They just wanted to fuck kids, and that is a bad decision in a movie. Even if for your your most heinous of villains, it destroys any pathos, and you just feel dirty at the end of it. Mm-hmm. it it's just gross, and on top of it. Uh, man, somebody has absolutely no imagination who ever wrote that script. Yeah. It, 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 all, every dream sequence is just boring. It, it's like, it, this. Oh, all of a sudden, they're, they're dreaming, oh, and they're in an old school, uh, or they're in a boiler room, even though nothing in this movie ever happened in the boiler room, in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, that's where Freddy would take the kids to a boiler room and kill them. And this one, no, he had a little uh, little basement closet that he hung out in. That's where he lived under the school as the school's gardener. And there was no boiler room in it, so having a boiler room in this made no goddamn sense. And it's like, oh, and next one, it's a gross kitchen. Yeah, very pedestrian. Yeah, the, 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 the most inventive uh, and i'm really stretching that word uh dreams is oh it's snowing in the bedroom how eerie is chet gonna come in and mac- smack you on the head Might with a shotgun? as well <laughs> and and of course it was a time that cg effects were still not good right and so there is a scene where aping the original film where uh, Nancy's feet would go into the stairs and the stairs be filled with white goop, which is weird and creepy. In this one, she just kind of sinks into the, the, the hallway and in, in a bloody hallway kind of thing that she has to crawl out. And it's like, really? That's what you got? You, you've got the whole world of nightmare to choose from. The many things that can scare you out there. Uh, but that's because that's not Freddy's intent he's not there to terrify and kill someone he, he's there to kill and 
fuck them. It, it's weird. It's 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 not good. Think about the fact that you're in a dreamscape and that you know pretty much anything is possible. And to go with the most pedestrian of yeah. of dreams. And, and even, killings, yeah, if you and, will. And even just, the lines dumb. that are given to Kruger are, are just so pedestrian. And and of course, the, the jump scares are just weak and, and cheap. So it's awful. I'm glad I revisited so I could remember how why I didn't like it. And now I can fully remember why I can say don't watch it. <laughs> uh, on the other wow. side of the nightmare aspect, though, Ooh. I did also watch Scream Queen which is the new documentary about uh, Mark Patton, the star of Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Okay. And what happened with him in that movie and afterwards, because Mark Patton uh, was an up-and-coming actor, uh, and this was going to be his his launch. Uh, But because Nightmare on Elm Street 2 has, really can't even call it subtext, uh, full gay undertones to it, it pretty much destroyed his career. Uh, mostly uh, because at the time that it came out is when the AIDS crisis was really starting to bear down and there was kind of a blacklisting going on in Hollywood where, you know, at this time people didn't know what AIDS was or how it worked or how it got transmitted. All they knew knew was killing people. And so actresses would have in their contracts that unless the actor had an AIDS test, uh, they wouldn't do a kiss with them on screen and so on. And after he did that film, he's like, well, you can't, really be a lead actor anymore because you're very gay in this movie. So we have to sell you as a character actor and he wanted to be more lead actor. And then things kind of got worse from there until he actually ended up disappearing from Hollywood altogether, disappearing pretty much off the face of the earth. No one know where he went. He, he went to Mexico, lived in Mexico for a good long time. Wow. And until he was finally, uh, contacted for the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary that came out years ago, uh, Never Sleep Again, which is a fantastic documentary that covers the whole edge of every Nightmare on Elm Street movie, its making and its undertones and and what happened where. And he was contacted. They had to hire a private investigator oh, wow. to find him. And uh, they finally got a hold of him, and he agreed to be part of it. And now he is a, uh, uh, a gay and AIDS activist out there and... and very, very forward and meeting his fans once again, because Nightmare on Elm Street 2 came full circle. At the time, it was panned uh, partially because of its homosexual overtones. And now it's considered a benchmark in queer cinema, especially queer horror cinema, Hmm. because as the title of the uh, documentary says, he's... He's the first final boy of horror, where you have the final girl that right. that, that fight, faces off against the killer. He is the first uh, just effeminate and man versus Freddy kind of thing in that same vein. The first male scream queen of horror, and so and he's revered for that now. So it's it's really neat to see that come full circle. So, wow. so yeah. if you want to see that whole story take place, uh, the documentary is called Squ- Scream Queen, Scream Comma Queen. Uh, it's available for free on Shutter if you have that streaming service. Otherwise, you can rent it off of Amazon or all the all the other fine streaming services where uh, VOD movies are available. So, but yeah, that one I do recommend. That one is really interesting, and and because he's also harbored a deep anger of the writer of 
Nightmare on Elm Street 2 because he kind of blames him for destroying his career. And he, at the end of the documentary, he does get to confront him and they do have a conversation. So it's really interesting to see that part of it. And uh, what part of that is right and what part of that is wrong. It's it's interesting, really hmm. interesting. Hmm. And I also want to thank all the shock monkeys that are still uh, hanging out with me on uh, my YouTube channel, Master Torgo. Uh, That's the name of the channel, doing the Minecraft Realm stuff. I put up a new video yesterday. I've also edited another one, so it'll be up one in in a couple days. Uh, What's kind of freaking me out is how many non-shock monkeys I'm starting to get. (laughs) Follow me on the YouTube channel. Oh, yeah? Because that's that's the only reason I did it, because... Yeah, I, I can talk about Minecraft, but it's not as interesting as seeing it happen. And so, but now I got like people that watch Minecraft YouTube things. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not baking numbers here. I got like 39 followers. So it's not, Woo! yeah, just, uh, look at me go, room. <laughs> PewDiePie, uh, watch out. But it's been fun to see and it's been fun to do. And I editing the stuff together has been good. I've got some new ideas on uh, ways to advance some more complex story ideas that I have to put together and edit in the right way. There, there's one thing I can't wait to get done. Uh, oh, Vlarg. Oh, oh Vlarg. I, I, I so uh, can't wait. He added fancy titles to his video, okay? And that's where I want to go to next because I have two people to thank. Pat Spurl made uh-huh. those professional titles for me. Oh, nice. Ooh. And they're fantastic. They make me look like a professional, Pat. And I have go you to thank. Pat. So thank you so much. And I also want to thank Sam Heffernan for allowing me to use the Burning Light, the, uh, the song that we use for Geek Shock as also an opening song for it too because the timing of that song is like perfect for that opening. Nice. So so thank you Sam and 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 Pat especially for uh, uh making me look better. Now now I just need to sound better. Yeah. <laughs> and and Vlarg for making you look better cuz you know all the Minecraft shit. Everybody's coming together. Oh, could talk about coming together. Listen. Okay, first of all, <laughs> A lot of people are joining the realm. A lot of shock monkeys are on there getting on that realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night I got on there and getting there was three three names I never saw in there before. I'm like, oh my goodness, look at these new people. Wow. And so it's it's been wonderful to see the growth. Uh, on the other side, I don't know if it's because of doing the videos or, or whatnot, motherfuckers are pranking me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Daverator has already come at me twice. Daverator? Right. Oh, playing with fire, Dave Raider. But hey, you know what? If it, it's a, if if it makes for entertaining videos, by all means, bring it on. Get creative. Come at me. But really, so many te- team vlog people. Really, <laughs> you, you you know Barry's an asshole, right? You want to follow <laughs> an asshole? Is that is that what yeah. you want for your life? Hey, you know, I I mentioned it uh, last week, dude. It's it's gonna happen. You sat there and you were like, we don't need team vlog and team tour. We can just yeah, no, it's gonna happen. Yeah. That, Apparently. That lady hair brings them in. You got to find your lady hair. Microscope fell down my uh, my pit out front. Yeah. At, and he put up a sign saying, uh, saying, I'm sorry, I fell down your pit. Let me know if I did any damage. And then he puts hashtag Team Vlark. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and I'm like, I don't feel sorry for you, other uh, Team Vlark. Yeah, you need to layer yeah. that pit with dynamite. Yeah, you you sit in that pit and think about what you've done. <laughs> but no, it's been great. It's been really, really cool. 
Someone's put up the fires of Gondor across the mountains, across the top of my base and over the mountains past. It's oh, wow. neat. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really darn cool. And Blarg created this fantastic end uh, shop where the end is the last dimension of the game, mm-hmm. kind of hard to deal with. Uh, so you can get some of the hard-to-get blocks from there. But the design that he made for that shop is phenomenal. I, I can't wait to feature it in a video. If Vlarg doesn't do it himself, he might just do it himself. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's been fun. It's been great. Uh, it's It's been a, a nice distraction this week. So, cool. it's been pretty darn awesome. Anything else, gentlemen? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, took your advice and started watching Harley Quinn. It's pretty awesome. It's a great show. Unfortunately... I got two episodes in and called it a night, and then the very next day, I went to watch more, and Sci-Fi On Demand had yanked them. Oh, wow. And so now they're back behind a paywall. Oh, (laughs) goodness I'm like, no notice, no, like, because typically if there's something that has a limited time that you can watch it on demand, it'll say, available until, and then they'll have a date. It didn't come up that way, so I'm like... It's like three in the morning. I had just finished watching the second episode. I'm like, all right, I'm going to turn in, get up in the morning. I'll watch some more. And so, yeah, unfortunately, I only got the first two episodes down. But those first two episodes were really good. You know, that show is so Um, good that uh, they're doing their second season right now. mm -hmm. And I don't think all the episodes are out yet. I'm not sure. Uh, But once they're working on them. But once they are, once I shut down my shutter subscription i'm gonna, gonna do the, the, DC, the dc one because i want to see more of that harley quinn show it's really really it's good enough that i'm willing to subscribe to that channel to watch it i i love the the teaming up of her and poison ivy oh, and, and and the dynamic between those two characters is just amazing the dynamic between all the characters right. are great oh my god yeah, the the script is phenomenal. The delivery is amazing. They've gotten com- great comedians to do all the voices. Absolutely, and is definitely not a kid's. Nope. Yeah, yeah. E- I mean, even, even every other word it. is fuck or shit. And yeah, even if you censored <laughs> that though, it's still not for yeah, kids. No, it's it's pretty graphic. I mean, yeah. there's there's some graphic cartoon violence, like people's hands getting blown off and well, stuff sure. like that. And a big point of the second uh, episode is whether or not uh, a kid finger-banged girl. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of what you're getting into with this. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I'm missing this. <laughs> so you should like, be. You should be sorry, Kay. Yeah, I am. It's, it's worth your sorrow. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I feel better now. And then I also finished Space Force. Um, I actually really liked it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can see why it's not getting a lot of critical praise, but it's kind of that groany, like humor where it's like you know you can tell that you know there are people that are much better than the situation that they're put into in in some cases and you know they're really doing their best with what they have to work with and you know but you know the 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 friendships and honestly the the dynamic between uh steve carell and john malkovich i think is is fantastic throughout the the 10 episodes and i guess they're they are approved for a second season um when that's going to happen is anybody's guess of course. because you know live action production is way up in the air. Yeah, the, the only good thing to come out of this is the fact that animated productions haven't really been affected as much because a lot of the the actors and actresses can record their lines from home, and the animators typically work, you know, on their own anyway in an office, you know, like in their own cubicle or whatever they can work from home typically on sure. their their home computer and then submit and then 
mm. make corrections as necessary. So that's kind of neat that that stuff's happening. I uh, I got into some YouTube uh, a YouTube channel <clears throat> called uh, Dungeon Craft, run by Professor Dungeon Master, and this is a an old school uh, writer. Actually, he's written he had written uh, some. Adventures for Dungeon Magazine back in the day of uh, D&D, like in the 80s and 90s. And he, uh, he does a lot of talking about gaming and streamlining your games and uh, cutting, cutting things down to make uh, D&D run faster, run, get more, more going into it, more out of it. Um, and I like a lot of his uh, game theory stuff that he's been putting on. So he also got me so interested, I actually went ahead and uh, dropped a few uh, the precious dollars on a uh, rule book called the Index Card RPG. Tell me about that. That's, uh, that's a stripped-down version of uh, D&D, <clears throat> kind of inspired by a fifth edition. Uh, but it's really, really stripped down. It really, really condenses things to make things uh, really easy. Like so, it eliminates grids and and does abstractions for uh, for distancing, for example. Oh. So you have zones, far, near, and close. And close is like your melee range. Near is you're kind of close, but you're you know not quite. And then far is. It's like a, at a at a distant uh, ranged attack or something like that, and when you move, you go from far to near or near to close, and so on and so forth. So, you know, there are abstractions like that that try, you know, to they're there ostensibly to simplify the game, but when you when you grow up doing grids and maps and stuff, it's really hard to grasp. Now, so. are you still using some kind of uh, physical interpretation of your characters and monsters? You like, can, yes. Or, or is this just like theater of the mind it's kind not, of it, stuff? It can be theater of the mind, but no, he actually he actually has what he calls UDT, Ultimate Dungeon Terrain. And his dungeon terrain tends to be circular, and uh, he sets it up, actually, uh, in, the, in the close... He actually himself... Uh, dungeon crap uh, does um, near or uh, here and there, <clears throat> and so he'll have these two concentric circles. His map, his terrain will be on a lazy Susan, so you can set up your figures and you can actually turn it and rotate it to look at it from different angles and stuff. And uh, but the other game, yeah, you can play with uh, minis or you can be theater of the mind. Okay. So either one. Uh, the one of the interesting things about it is uh it's the that i'm really liking actually is the overall the room what they call the room target number and so the room will have a, a difficulty number and that's the difficulty number for everything so that you know uh, if it's a if it's a target number of 14 you need a 14 to hit the enemies you need a 14 to open any locks You'll need a 14 to uh, cast your spells because it does uh, a proactive spell casting where you have huh. to cast to, you know, you have to roll to cast your spell and stuff like that. So, and then there are rules to adjust either way if it's really hard or, you know, or it's kind of easy. But you, th you think that would be in the difficulty number? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the, 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 well, the whole idea is you just minus three or, or add three. 
Okay. So so room 14, if it's really hard in this room, what you're trying to do, it'll be a 17. No, okay. If it's really easy, then it's an 11. I assume this is a D20 system. Yes, it's a D20 system. It uses the proficiency bonus system of 5th edition, plus your stats. It uses the same type of stats bonus. One of the things this game does is uh, it says, we trade stats for stats, as the joke. Because basically what they do is they eliminate the... Uh, using the th- the the three through eighteen, it's like once you get your pluses and minuses, those are your stats. So you're oh, rolling, okay. you roll your strength stat. So and it might be a plus four. Exactly. So and then the their skill system is even more rudimentary. It's like they don't even bother with proficiency and stuff like that. You're either skilled, in which case you roll your proficiency bonus plus your ability mod, or you're not skilled, in which case you roll a d20. Okay. So, you know, <clears throat> you being so flexible and, and agile. That's me. Can have That's a plus a four. Plus I, I have plus one to skip. There you go. So you could have plus four, right? And you're plus one to skip. But Jeff, who's totally unskilled in skip, you'll roll the 20 and add your one and your four. Jeff just rolls the 20. Right. And, and then, you know, you see against that room of 14 who will succeed. And Jeff's shaking his head, so I don't think he'll succeed. He probably won't even <laughs> yeah, play. Yeah, but can you square dance? <laughs> <laughs> so so, so it, he's got a plus four to square dance. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, you know, I mean, it, it, Goddamn it, his, his overall f- skill set is square. <laughs> hey oh, But um, <laughs> Midwest school skill sets that I will never use. But, um, you know, yeah, but you're rocking that skip, buddy. How are you at four square? Four square? I don't know. No. <laughs> well, he brought popcorn over here, so you know, four square to. Did I ever, t- did I ever tell you about the time I, ro- I climbed the monkey bars and rolled to zero? No. <laughs> did you land on your head or your back? My back. Ah. It was. Oh. It was one of those swing sets that's not really monkey bars. It's like a dome. Yep. Oh yeah. Right? And the the metal up either side and the mm-hmm. swings are on the inside so everyone's kind of swinging in toward each other and then out away and in toward each other in the mm. snow and i i decided i was going to climb this motherfucker so i did and when i got to the top because it was not meant to climb especially when you're like an eight-year-old yep and i got to the top and and reached and missed and fell on my back Yikes. Now you've heard the term "got the wind knocked out of him." Oh, mm-hmm. that, that's a real thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you've never experienced it, the first time it happens, it is the scariest thing you've ever experienced, especially yeah. as an yeah. eight-year-old. Because you just you you literally physically cannot get air to enter your lungs. Yes. Like your, your chest is paralyzed, and you're like, yeah. "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah, your chest forgets how to breathe. Yeah. And I, I thought I was dying. And so I, it was during one of those arts in the parks thing. And on the, on, on the, in the summer in small town, Indiana, the arts district would put together these little, little classes in the, in all the parks that you could go to. Your mom could drop you off and get rid of you for an hour or two. And you might learn paper mache or you might learn card making or, you know, whatever. And so it was during one of those things and waiting for mom to pick me up after work. So I was going to hang out there been in between two different ones. So that's when I went to go play in the playground and fell and fell on my back and my, my lungs disappeared <laughs> and so I, i'm but not like what happened in elix so i i'm walking back to the where all the adults are and i'm trying to and you know, stop <laughs> making sounds like that 
And and I, I'm I slapped you. you I called you a perv. I'm surprised you could even move because when that happened to me, I literally like I physically couldn't move at all. I had to move, Jeff. I was dying. <laughs> I was dying. I needed an adult. That's a shirt right there. <laughs> I had to. I needed an adult. <laughs> Uh, but thankfully, my lungs remembered how to breathe like just before I got there. So I ended up just sitting on a bench for a while going, just wondering how short my life flashing before me really was. Yeah. So, yeah, so that yeah. 10 years, it just goes by and you're like, <laughs> as you're sitting there, <laughs> I need a rerun. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, one time, uh, oh, my mom took me when I was a kid. My mom was into all sorts of stuff, including... Uh, going to chiropractors. Okay. Uh, and I went yeah. to a chiropractor, and one time he did a, a pop on my back, and it knocked the breath out of me. Oh, yeah. I wasn't ready that for it. It happened to me, too. And, it, and I was, Ugh! and he sat me up, and he's like, relax, relax, breathe through your nose, inhale through your nose. And so I, and I, I started breathing again. And that was like really useful because. All the times that I got the breath knocked out of me in the rest of my life, I actually remembered that moment. See, you gained that skill. Plus two yeah. to get your ne- breath that's, knocked that's out of right. you. That's right. And that, that's what is that? Where I was unskilled Probably. and just had to roll a 20 and got, yeah. a, got a one. You got a one. <laughs> well, you got a two because you could walk. Good point. You could walk. You needed an adult and you walked. <laughs> I rolled a zero somehow. And I don't even, it was a plus. Film. It was I'm a like, plus three versus perseverance. <laughs> and I, and I made it. I want to see. I wanted to see little Todd just like <gasps> adult, oh. adult. <laughs> I'm kind of glad they didn't see me because I probably looked and sounded like a goddamn zombie. <laughs> <laughs> My arms stretched out. Yeah, I mean nowadays, dude, they just it, haul it, off and shoot you. This is small town. Yeah, small town Indiana. I was yeah. gonna get riddled. <laughs> <laughs> he's white. Doesn't matter. So you're saying he's what? What minus four to dexterity on any climbing situation? <laughs> Still am. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that one was definitely uh, a uh, yeah. no. It was an ability check, and yeah, yeah. He, he 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 muffed failed. it. Yeah. Yeah. He rolled a one. Negative dexterity. <laughs> What, but what but he, I can still skip. What did he have to roll? <laughs> a D100? <laughs> oh, man. Now, if I was skipping and making that sound, everybody run. That's, there, that's, you uh, there you go. That's a, that's a frightening idea. Unless, you no, know. That, that would be us today if un- we tried unless, something un- like that. Unless Miss Cratchit from the third grade is standing behind you. Keep skipping, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear any noise, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, gentlemen? Uh, oh, um, I actually downloaded and started a book. Oh, it's tell this, me this about is, this the book. Can, this is fun. I didn't know he had done this. S.M. Sterling, he's a science fiction writer. Okay. And he wrote these two uh, homages to Sword and Planet, to oh. Edgar Rice Burroughs, uh, John, John Carter, Carter kind of and Carson and Venus, yeah. right? But he takes a hard science fiction approach to them. Hmm. So he does this, he, you know, does this thing that's popular in like Star Trek where aliens seed life. And in the 1960s, when our, the space programs are finally kicking off, we discover that there's intelligent life on Mars and Venus. And they launch colonial 
expeditions to those two planets, they discover over time that they have been terraformed by these aliens and then seeded with prehistoric life from Earth in like a bizarre experiment to see how things go. So he lays out a hard science fiction explanation for... The whole lost world kind of aspect Exactly, to it? Yeah. exactly. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's actually, it's actually pretty cool. Do you remember um, the title of any of these books? Now, why would you ask me that, Todd? Oh, Just give me the author. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll take it from there. S-M. It's S.M.Sterling. S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G. I know the, that... The British Sterling. The um, Mars one is the second book, and that one, I think, is like Court of the Crimson Kings. The Venus one is, uh, oh, something, it's something the sky people, because the sky people are what Earth colonists are being referred to as they go to Venus. It's, it's actually kind of interesting. It's kind of fun. Um, I'm not too deep into it, but I really like the idea. I actually, this was suggested on a Facebook website that I actually saw, it's a sword and planet where they talk about Burroughs, and they okay. talk about Burroughs' um, writings. And so, so yeah, and, and Sterling is, uh, is actually a uh, pretty good writer. So seeing, this, seeing something like this from him is actually very interesting. Uh, the Sky People is the first one. Okay. And uh, that was 2006. Um, and then, uh, God, when is court? Oh, and uh, in the courts of the Crimson Kings is 2008. So actually, this is this uh, this actually goes back a bit. He also has done some like alternate historical stuff with like um, Harry Turtledove. Okay. Uh, who 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 does tons of historical? Yeah, that, that's, that's his baby. That that yeah. He he. Almost. If you want if you want alternate history science fiction. Turtledove. Yeah, yeah. Harry Turtledove. So, um, but he's done all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And he's a great writer. But this is just, it's really interesting because they're actually taking, he's actually taking a hard scientific approach. There's like uh, archaeologists and geologists coming to this world and they're like, it doesn't make any sense. Six million years ago, there was nothing. And now, and then all of a sudden, all this shit, where'd this carbon come from? Where did all these life forms come from? It doesn't make any sense, you know? <clears throat> and they still haven't, I mean, I know the overall uh, plot of it, but they still haven't actually gotten to the part where they find out about the extraterrestrials and the seeding and all that stuff. So pretty interesting, pretty interesting. So uh, I'm, I haven't finished it, but I'll, I definitely will go ahead and recommend anyway. All right. Fantastic. Uh, speaking of books, uh, discussions have opened up today for The First 15 Lives of Harry August by Claire North. That's the book the Geek Shock, Shock Monkeys Book Club is reading. Uh, about a quarter of the way through it. Pretty good so far, especially if you like time travel stories in the uh, uh, vein of Groundhog Day. Reliving uh, life over and over again and differently. Uh, but really interesting so far, and I really like where it's going, so... Uh, so far, so good. Before I continue on, there's one more thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, when all this lockdown stuff started happening, I went on. I got reacquainted with Steam and my computer once again uh, before Minecraft took over. And I, I downloaded a bunch of board games uh, for Steam. Uh, one of them I downloaded is a game called Tharsis. 
Tharsis is a single-player board game experience. It doesn't have a multiplayer aspect to it at all. The idea is you are part of a space crew that are headed to Mars, and shit starts to fall apart. And everything has to be figured out. And You have dice pools, and, and, and those dice pools have to be used to keep your group alive. It's a single-player survival game with dice. Huh. And it's a game that absolutely appealed for me from the offset. And I got to tell you, right now, I am absolutely not in love with it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, what happened? Uh, it's, it's not that it's a bad game. Uh, it's I, I, I think I just haven't figured out the strategy on how to deal with this game. But so far, it seems absolutely unwinnable. <laughs> like, oh. like, I cannot g- get past the third turn. And there's a whole thing about once you get to Mars, then this part of the game opens up. I'm like, shit. How do you get to Mars? I just got out of the goddamn atmosphere. <laughs> get your ass to Mars. <laughs> Nothing I do That's is going to stop this ship from blowing up. That's funny. And in fact, there, there's, uh, I, I, there's, it wouldn't let me quit a game in the middle of it because I could see the writing on the wall on the second turn. I'm like, I'm going to die for the next turn. There's nothing I can do about it. I, I really wish I could just quit to start and just start from here instead of just having to play out again and watch it all fall apart and blow up and, and sadness. And uh, there, there is one kind of really cool part about it, though. Uh, once you've done... You're, you're, the whole part of the beginning is your ship is caught in a meteor storm, and so you're having to repair various parts of meteor damage that's happening to the ship okay. while still keeping it all functioning and keeping everybody alive because the meteors destroyed the food on the ship. Oh, Jesus. The food capsule thing. <laughs> and so that's how you get your dice pools back is by somebody eating. So if you don't have enough food, you don't have enough dice, you don't have enough dice, you can't fix the ship. You do have the option, though, because when the... Uh, food capsule part of the ship was destroyed uh, you lost two crew members uh, one got jettisoned into space but you got the other one in cold freeze ah. so you do have the option of cannibalizing that crew member and you do get your dice pools back and as far as I can tell there's I don't see any ex- bad things that happen to you because of it but Every die roll you do from then on is covered in blood. So you are, you are so you're never again allowed to forget that you ate a person to get this far. Wow. And in between the, the events that happen in the turns, you then have to make a decision that is not good for anyone. It's like uh, this group of people, if, I want to do this. And if you do this, you'll get plus one food, but everyone loses one dice. Uh, or you can do this, and everyone gets plus 40% stress, which um, makes them, I, I can't even remember, or, or they'll take one life if you do this, but uh, but th- these people will get their dice pools back. And yeah, it's everything is a bad decision, and everything is fucked up. And it's the perfect game for these times. So Tharsis, uh, it's, if it sounds appealing to you, uh, if you can demo it in some way, I'd recommend that. Uh, it's a fun idea, but so bang at your head against the wall. There's nothing you can do about it. Frustrating that after about 10 plays, I was like, yeah, this is a, uh, I, I want to play something fun now. <laughs> oh, wow. 
No, I've looked at the Pathfinder game. The Pathfinder, the card, card game. game. Yeah, uh, that's Honestly. a good translation of that Pathfinder card game. Yeah, the one that uh, we played as a group way mm-hmm. back when. That's kind of a uh, an RPG in card game form, mm-hmm. where it's it's broken down. It's just to the uh, statistical elements and dice rolls instead of actual story play. Mm-hmm. But it does a really good job of translating that. Uh, if you liked that style of card game, yeah. And also, um, I uh, played a little in the Planescape Torment. Oh, the old RPG, uh, the old classic, uh, the uh, old classic. Yeah, yeah. it's funny because playing it, I can see. All right, I can see how this thing, how this thing was popular and made a change. But there's been many changes since. Yeah, there've been many changes since, and also I'm like, yeah, because this this game, one of one of its hallmarks, one of its good things is it's it's incredibly D and D third edition. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is why I don't play third edition anymore. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, but I wanna, I wanna play some more on it. But it's just like, for, for somebody who whew. likes a lot of action and very little story, that is the opposite game that you should be playing. There's, there's tons of walking around, and oh yeah, well you got to get the key to, oh yeah, and then we, and you, uh, it's structured in that you start with a character and you'll build up your party at a time. So it's not even like I could start with a wizard, right, or jump right off with you know something like that. So, uh, so. <laughs> But I uh, appreciate having it. Sure. Excellent, so. excellent game for its time and still has a lot of good things about it. But yeah, it has shown its age. It, the, the, the other reason I'm interested in it is because uh, Torment, uh, the, the, that company that made Torment have, have done the new Numenera oh. uh, um, computer RPG, which is based on the Numenera system created by Monty Cook who uh, was part of 3rd edition D&D. So I got a... I, I was interested in Planescape Torment, because also I love Planescape, but also because Torment Numenera is something I wouldn't mind getting later on and playing that, but... <clears throat> that was a time in 2nd edition D&D where they really started branching out, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, you don't want to just do fantasy? Well, if you want to do horror, here's some Ravenloft. Yeah. If you want to do science fiction, here's, uh, what was it called, Spell Slinger or something like Spelljammer. that. Spelljammer. Spelljammer. And, or if you want to do interdimensional crazy stuff, here's Planescape. Right. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, you want to do some Mad Max-style fantasy? Here's Sun. Dark Sun. Dark Sun. Uh, yeah, they really yeah. took a lot of chances and made some really good products. They did. And unfortunately, it uh, part of it that hurt TSR was was seen as balkanizing the audience. Because instead of the few people like me who pretty much bought every campaign that came out, most gaming groups just went to one campaign. And so you had people who played Planescape but didn't buy Dark Sun and didn't buy Birthright or Ravenloft. And then you had, you know, so on and so forth. And as a result, uh, Hasbro Watsi is very careful about putting out new campaign settings. They put out an Eberron book uh, just recently that is really, that was, uh, that was actually a, you know, a bit of a big thing. And it's really, everybody's clamoring for them to do Planescape or Dark Sun. And they're just really, really taking it very carefully and very easy on it. So kind of sucks in that regard. Even their Ravenloft stuff isn't like, here's a whole new world. <clears throat> it's like, it's still part of your D&D campaign. It's this, this one just takes you to Ravenloft. Right, right. Ravenloft has become this 
little demi-plane that you can go to and end up there, but you can... Uh, oh, well. I loved Ravenloft so much. That, that, that's your wheelhouse. It really is. It's, oh, it's glorious. Oh, let's do some news, guys. We've, we've, been, we've, been, we've been John. It's been all we've about been us. It has been. Well, you know. And not Jeff. He hasn't talked. Well, you know. We, we, yeah, we, I have. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're just going to skip him. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> let's do some news you don't give a shit about. Oh, joy. Yeah, kind of big news this week um, in this regard. And when I first heard it, I wasn't sure what to think about it. And, and then as I was hearing actual comic shops opinions on it, I'm like, oh, this, this is probably not a good thing. Uh, so DC Comics announced it will no longer distribute its products through Diamond Comics distributors. Yeah. Ending what was effectively a monopoly on direct market comic distribution in North America. Quote, after 25 years, DC and Diamond Comic distributors are ending their long-standing relationship, a DC spokesman said. Moving forward, comic book retailers can obtain their DC books from Penguin Random House or their books and periodicals through Lunar or UCS comic book distributors. DC continues to be committed to providing direct market with the best class service, the fans, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so much self-wanking in these things. Right. <laughs> DC began working through an alternative distribution model back in April after Diamond announced it was pausing its distribution operations amid the pandemic. The publisher set up agreements through two companies, Lunar and UCS, to begin uh, shipping out new single-issue comics on Tuesdays, where Wednesdays is usually New Comics Day. Uh, Initially, DC planned to resume its partnership with Diamond when the distributor was shipping. But now, a few weeks after Diamond started shipping new products again, the publisher has announced it's sticking with the new model. The move comes after DC announced it would continue to offer its products on Tuesdays rather than Wednesday, and after the publisher unveiled a new previews catalog outside of Diamond's own previews publication. That's a uh, capital P previews. Uh, DC explained that while it may appear that this decision was motivated by the pandemic, the break with Diamond was part of a long-term thought process. Uh, Comic shops have been vocal about the news. Retailers say that the move means higher shipping costs to stores, lower discounting from Diamond, and even thinner profit margins. Quote, Without the DC purchases through Diamond, my discount will be less, making my business no longer profitable or viable, said Charlie Harris of Charlie's Comic Books in Tucson, Arizona. Continuing, I don't believe that it will be profitable or practical for most retailers to order low return on investment periodicals from a second distribution source. The extra shipping and handling involved is going to melt profits. Uh, Hibbs wrote on Facebook, uh, while retailers said they'd love to punish DC with a boycott, they've admitted it wouldn't be fair to customers who want to read DC's stories, but they anticipate this hurting the market overall. Uh, quote, it was a nice gut punch after we just reopened our doors for the first time in two months, said J.C. Glenmire, owner of Earthworld Comics in Albany, New York. As most, quote, continuing the quote, as most retailers, I'm not going to cut off my nose to spite my face. I'll order for my regulars, uh, the minimum for racks, but I'm not putting any significant resources in their future projects. Uh, another co- quote, the timing of this is terrible. It shows blatant disregard for concerns of comic sellers, said Ben Ray of Atomic Books in Baltimore. Uh, so I'll say this as a longtime DC Comics fan as well as a retailer. Screw you, DC Comics. I wish them every bit as well as Marvel did when they did this back in the 90s, unquote. Golly. Yeah, that's uh, some hefty opinions. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is this is what it's confusing me. So usually more competition is a good thing when you have a com- 
you know, competitors competing for your distribution dollars. Are they saying that because Diamond is not carrying DC that they're not getting the discount for those titles and that this new distributor setup is also not giving them a discount for uh, from from what I've understood because none of them have directly said that they weren't getting a discount they're just saying they're not getting a bigger discount from Diamond right that there there is less of a discount to it so there's less of a profit margin between the retail price and what they pay sure uh, versus what they were getting with Diamond uh, so they're not going to applaud a a new distribution model where it costs them more. No, I, I get that, but I'm saying there doesn't seem to be any data to support that based on what they've told you there. I, I never seen any any comic books uh, retailers' numbers, so I can't right. speak to that. Yeah. It, but, but what I'm saying is it sounds more like speculation than actually practice uh, I, I, from from what this article is saying. Sure, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm gauging the opposite because obviously they know what the lineup is they would not be saying that hey this is costing us more if they didn't know it was going to cost them more but also retailers are very you know resistant to change yeah but it doesn't seem like it's a change resistant thing and i and i don't know enough about i I know i know that marvel did do this in the 90s right and it was a failure and it did nobody any favors sure and that's how diamond ended up getting everything it it just seems more like a reaction You know, I, I a think, hard reaction rather than them saying, oh, okay, now I've done this for a little bit. I understand it. it's not costing me more, or this is definitely costing me more, and this is how much more it's costing me. So from what I'm seeing, it is definitely costing them more. I don't think they would say it's it's costing them more if it wasn't. So what it seems to be to me is that DC Comics are going to go, what, you're not going to carry DC Comics in your comic shop? Are you going to not pay this? You know, it's, it's what we control at this point. It's it's right. it's out of uh, d- um, Diamond's hands. It's in our hands now. So, uh, yeah, your profit's going to be a little bit less. But again, what are you going to do? Not carry Batman? True. Because that's kind of how I'm. I don't know. I've 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 heard comic mm. retailers complain about Diamond for decades. So I'm like, it's, it's true. That's why I'm like, I'm trying to to parse from what little information is presented in there. Sure. What the actual truth is versus i'm a retailer and then i'm now being forced to change what i've done for x number of years and i'm not happy about it you know is is it because it's definitely costing you more or are you just speculating that it's costing you more money that's what that's what i was i don't think trying to get speculation at. these people already know what the what the contract is this is what x is going to cost and this is what yeah they yeah it, it's it'd be like if i was a video game retailer and i was mm-hmm. getting all my video games at a certain price right. and then all of a sudden ea goes you know what we're changing our distribution model we're doing our own thing uh, it's going to be the same games but it's going to cost you more uh, well, EA I, I, I'm already not, does that I, so. <laughs> i'm not going to be happy about that either right no i got that so uh, yeah, so i don't think it's so much speculation as is this is the distribution model it costs more uh, what are you going to do about it? And uh, I guess that's it. Yeah, I. you know what? I'm not a retailer, so I don't know. Sure. As, aside from, like you said, <clears throat> when Marvel... I mean, Marvel was would tried something different because they wanted to do their own distribution, whereas uh, these other companies are going to be distributors and are not owned or in any part by 
Uh, at least I don't think they're owned. Say that that I'm not sure. I don't know DC. how much of an interest DC has in these distributors right. as to why one they chose them, right. and two if they have a financial interest in those right. distributors. And it was Marvel, Marvel just falling the fuck apart right. and and blowing it with distribution and everything that that basically led to the diamond situation. So, but that was all you know. We we learned all this after the fact, right? So. Uh, I, I remember working in the store when that happened, and you juggled multiple days of comics coming in. There was Marvel Day, there was DC Day. Oh, but there's only half Marvel Day because the other half comes in tomorrow, and you know it was kind of <laughs> crazy. But at the same time, I was like, "Wow, Marvel's doing their own distribution. Marvel, wow, go Marvel! You're crazy, motherfuckers!" And then it all just fucking went to pieces. And sure, and, and I think that's also informing the the fear of that too is that we've seen this before didn't work out that great last time yeah and so uh if it's not improving our bottom line why should we be happy about it right right so let's do some weekend geek Woohoo! <laughs> california has set june 12th as the day uh, the entertainment industry can resume film music and television production after the three-and-a-half-month shutdown. Studios and labor unions will have to institute new protocols issued by the state's Department of Public Health to protect workers from the spread of COVID-19. The protocols are based on a 22-page white paper submitted by the governors of California and New York by a task force of studio and union officials that outline the health and safety restriction they believe are necessary to restart production. Among the task force recommendations, mandatory coronavirus testing of cast and crew, temperature checks, staggering call times, and using remote technology to minimize the number of people on set. As for auditions, the task force stipulated they should be done virtually. But if they have to be in person and without a mask, then the use of plexiglass or other barriers between the actors and casting team are required. A COVID-19 compliance officer will also be required on every set. Uh, internationally, though, it's been different. Uh, Netflix has resumed shooting in South Korea, uh, which mostly has COVID-19 under control, uh, while James Cameron has returned to New Zealand, where he's waiting out a two-week quarantine, after which the director plans to get back to work filming the Avatar sequels. Uh, that country is one of the world's few success stories, flattening the curve thanks to a stringent quarantine measure and extensive contact tracing, which has nearly eliminated the virus. So uh, it's, it's uh, production's beginning in a week. Yeah, and so Should be uh, interesting. It, yeah, it's, it sounds like some some decent plans in place. Yeah. So, uh, we'll I, I will see. say that if people follow these rules, you know, the whole social distancing among while you're out and the masks and so on, being smart about it, um, it, it will make an, a difference. Uh, it's right. the problem is is that there's a big segment of people that. Have, been told or believe whether the source is Fox or Facebook uh, that it's not a big deal. No one's really getting sick. Some people don't believe it exists. Yeah. And uh, we were seeing it here in Vegas. Uh, they oh, opened yeah. They opened up the uh, casinos, at least a few of them here in town. Yep. And the people that are working there that I know are scared shitless because ain't nobody following social distance 
No, yeah. they're not. Yeah, it's it, they're not yeah. wearing masks. They're not social distancing. The whole argument yeah. of we don't need the government telling us to to be careful. We can be responsible adults and be careful on our own falls flat because so many people are not being responsible. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's uh, and especially after the last, uh, I mean the the premature openings of the past couple weeks. Have shown spikes, and and then with the protests, we're going to get spikes. It's, it it's it's not going to be good. I I will frankly be amazed if uh, at some point during the course of the summer we don't go. You know, there isn't talk of a second quarantine. Yeah. They may or may not do it because they're afraid of all the resistance. I and, think and, I think the second quarantine will probably hit in the fall. That's just yeah. my And that's going to be crazy, too, because yeah. we're going right up into the election. Yep. And that's just going to be, the whole the, the whole thing is going to be insane. Mm. It's going to affect the election. How they're going to respond to it in anticipation of the election is going to affect the response and everything. I just. Sure. I just. And one yeah. out of every four people that have died from it have died in the United States. So, good job. But I want to get off this topic. I was going to say, the one, the one thing I'm interested with that, the, the crews returning to work and they're talking about staggered call time stuff. I, yeah. I'm wondering if this will affect in Hollywood the amount of crew that is on a set because... Oh, I'm sure it will. They're, they're, the technology has really been there to reduce crew sizes for a while. And as we know, the studios are always looking for an excuse to downsize and this the, seems like it would be the perfect excuse for them to say, oh, I don't need six people to move this camera. Oh, I sure. can do it with three. And, you know, as cameras get lighter and so forth, it is easier. So I'm wondering if this is also going to lead to a lot of permanent job losses oh, without in, the, in the actual production well, aspect yeah. and of I th- and I think the film industry. Ending, across the board, I think ending quarantine is everyone's going to find out. All of the the shortcuts and the the, uh, yeah. the the what not what have yous that that they can operate with and moving toward automation and yeah, yeah. I think it's funny because there are some people who are re- some companies who are already resisting permanently keeping yeah people working at home despite the fact that most people that I have spoke to who work from home say they're infinitely more productive. Yeah, sure. They well, get a and, hell of and a the lot data backs it up. Yeah, the data backs it up. The people when they're they're the the argument against has always been, well, they're home. They're gonna log in whenever they want. They're gonna log out whenever they want. They're not gonna do it this or that. And, sure. And the data supports the fact that they're way more productive because they're in a more comfortable environment. They're more relaxed. They're more able to think. Freely. And they're alone. Yeah. The, 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 a lot of them have talked about not having the distractions of the office. Yes. That's been a big one. Because, quite frankly, there's, you know, wherever you go, there's office drama. And mm-hmm. whether you're directly involved or not, you get drawn in, you know, oh, whether it's man. just an observation or you get well, I think, called in to, did you witness blah, 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 right. blah, blah, and, you know, how I, did this happen? I and, think having observable, uh, observable... Uh, I, I can't think of the word to quantify <clears throat> progress to, to have a means of saying yes I've gotten this much done in terms of th- this paperwork or in terms of uh, filing this or whatever it is that people at home are doing right um, you know it I think that 
should go a long way towards making the work at home argument because so long as you're producing this shit, yeah. then good for you. But I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like a, a, a micromanage well, kind yeah. of and, and the, thing. The, the funny thing is like the data is also showing that they're getting more done in less time working at home. Yeah. Then going into an office and working in an eight hour shift, you know, hour for right. lunch, et cetera. Some people so, have told me they've had to slow down. Yeah. Because they're like, I'm going to be done with this week's work by Wednesday. Yeah. So I actually have to slow down and space it out because yeah. otherwise I'm, I'm going to blow my curve. It. Yeah, exactly. Right. In fact, yeah. uh, I, I've, I've heard in, in that respect, I've heard people that I know that work from home, their bosses are telling them to slow down because. <laughs> They yeah. have you're making us look yeah, too good. Yeah, they they have other employees that aren't on that same pace with them. Right. So and what's <laughs> going to happen when you when you're all back in the office and then everything and your 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 output plummets? You know what 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 are, what what are the big big shots going to say? Because they're uh, going to sit there and go, "Hey, you were doing this a month ago. Come on, keep at it, yeah. keep at it." Well, I mean, and, there's just so few jobs now that actually require your physical presence in an office setting yeah with technology to do a lot of that any any mm. office setting where you need to sit in front of a computer and enter data can be done from home yeah just about any any job so, any position I don't, I don't envy youtube cuz right now no. my my zone is uh is is not returning to the strip and uh, i'm glad for it I don't know when I'm going back. I have friends that have already returned to work. Uh, they they returned Thursday mm -hmm. uh, of last week. Um, but I'm, like I said, just based on what you've told me, what I've seen on the news, I'm concerned about going back to work whenever that happens. Yeah. Oh, I, I've been bartending through all of this. I haven't stopped bartending. I just only have one customer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm... Uh, yeah. I yeah. don't know, man. I don't know. So, uh, um, yeah, whatever. Okay, <laughs> next item. Next item. Uh, Henry Cavill is in talks with Warner Brothers to reprise his role as Superman. Yeah. yeah I heard that. Uh, two years after play, last playing the iconic... <laughs> must be... <laughs> you know, it kills me when I do this on, on, on YouTube. And I, and I, and I, I'm not reading anything. I still trip over shit. Yeah. Or I, I'm reading a sign. I did that. I, I, it didn't make the edit, but I was reading a sign that I was writing at the time, and I and I tripped over it with my mouth. And I'm like, Gee, this is a deep ingrained thing. Mm, yeah, yeah. One of your "Don't Dead Open Inside" signs that you have in your in your uh, your village there. I was going to point that out to the comments, but uh, I decided against. No, what was that? What was that? Go ahead. Your, your signs. What about my signs? The way that you structured your sign, you know what I'm talking about, right? Chris? No, no, I haven't. I, seen I, it. Yeah, I haven't. I'm. I'm. I'm you remember in The Walking Dead, it says, "Don't open dead inside." Oh, and it it said it should have been, "Don't open dead inside," oh. because we read left to right, not up to down. I thought he was talking about you Minecraft. Oh. Yeah, I am talking about Minecraft. You have a sign in your village that's very similar to that setup, and I was like, "That's oh, oh are you talking about the looky looky at my bookie sign?" Yeah. Sometimes you got to roll how it rolls, boy. Bookie, bookie at my look. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, 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 his sign comes up uh, something like at my looky, looky, bookie. That's the way the it sign. It still gets the point sign. across. That's all right. 
you, you said the word bookie, and that's all I need. Oh, my God. Right. And you know what? Have, I have to go back and look at it again to see if I'm saying that right. But it, and, and you know what? We have spent these last couple of minutes talking about looky, looky at my bookie, at least indirectly. <laughs> yes. Uh, in some way. And so this has been a wonderful commercial. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Yeah, why spend, those ad- PR firm. See? Why if, spend those advertising dollars yeah, when yeah. you don't have if to? If people are talking about it, by all means, dead inside. Dead inside. There's no such thing as bad press, right? <laughs> so as I was saying, Henry Cavill, Superman, two years he was in, uh, ago, he's in Justice League. Now we're up to date. The actor reportedly left the franchise after three Superman appearances. Uh, insiders tell Variety that Cavill won't be suiting up for the Snyder Cut, but we'll likely do a cameo in either Aquaman 2, Suicide Squad 2, or The Batman. Uh, but if Snyder's version ends up renewing interest in a new Justice League entry, uh, it could be more soups. Hmm. Uh, you know what? I'm fine. I think he's a good Superman. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I just, I, I'm I glad want, he's I want them to give him uh, a, good, a good meaty script. Yes. And uh, give him some good uh, villains and stuff. Just, you know, just give him a good Superman movie to do. Certainly, you know. I mean, a really good because I'm not I'm not as hard on Man of Steel and Justice League as many. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but boy, but not without the problems. Yeah, I enjoy sure. them as well, but yeah, they're, but they're not without the problems. The, I mean, the the yeah, the emo Superman is just you gotta. I I I was fine with that at a as a starting point, but yes. you have to move from that, right? And I thought, well, I my he's, thought he's better in Batman v Superman and Justice League. Yeah, mm. it's, it's, yeah, he's, he's getting yeah, he's getting closer to character. Superman because I I saw but that with Man of Steel. They, yeah, they were taking their fucking time. Yeah, because well, yeah. they thought they were going to do thirty movies. I, yeah. <laughs> and the the director's cut of Batman v Superman, I think, fleshes out the character a lot more than what you got to see in the theatrical. Mm-hmm. So, sure, moving from Man of Steel to that, I do like Cavill's sure. portrayal, and and we learned a lot more about. Uh, what was actually happening in Rise of Skywalker in the novel? So it's yeah. so yeah. yeah the the extra stuff is out there, but you you shouldn't have to go fishing for it. Right, it should be in the movie itself. Yep. Not not saying that I don't enjoy extended universe stuff. I love it, but it shouldn't explain have to explain your movie. I just want Star Wars to bring back Jackson. Michael Michael Jackson? No, Jackson. J A X X O N. Oh, okay. The Green Rabbit. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah, the the Marvel. Yeah. Comic book one. Yeah, but that was canon. It is absolutely sure. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas was furious and had them get rid of him, but you know. <laughs> well, as far as I'm concerned, the Christmas specials canon too. <laughs> <laughs> whip whip stir whip. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this week we lost Bruce J. Friedman. He was 90. Uh, Friedman was best known for writing Splash, the 1984 film that made a star out of Tom Hanks. Uh, Friedman's other film credits include 1980s Gene Wilder and R- Richard Pryor buddy romp Stir Crazy. Oh, wow. As well as 1983's Dan Aykroyd vehicle Dr. Detroit. <laughs> Aside from writing for the big screen, he was also an acclaimed novelist, short fiction writer, and playwright. Uh, I, you know what? I, I, I own Mr. Friedman a lot. Because Stir Crazy, I believe, was my first R-rated movie oh. that I saw. Not the first one that I was taken to in the theater. My parents took me to see Stripes. Ah. Oh. So I, I got to see that in the theater as a kid. Mm. Uh, but Stir Crazy, one of my friends had it on Laserdisc. Ah. 
uh, the old RCA laser yeah. discs. Yeah. And and so I, I watched that stripper scene a lot. I learned a lot in that movie. <laughs> oh, okay. As, as, as a kid. So, but no, I love Stir Crazy. It's a it's a nutty. Oh, it's, prison it, film. I I think it's it's just insane. And those two are amazing. Yeah, they were so amazing. Uh, I actually stumbled across a um, one of uh, in the last few years before he passed uh, Gene Wilder's interviews with uh, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, and they were talking about Richard Pryor and working together. Their chemistry just, was just amazing. And, the chem- and he was talking about the chemistry too in any of the films they've been in. Yeah. And, uh, and it was funny too because he said streak? Silver Streak, uh, Stir Crazy. Um, uh, there was a. See No Evil, Hear No Evil. There you go. Yeah. I love that, that one. I call that one the blind and deaf yeah. one. <laughs> Pretty uh, much. <clears throat> yeah. But um, he was talking about, you know, how they were. It was really on set too because they didn't have much in common or do much together in regular life. But. And then. And it was really funny because that video went right into Mel Brooks. On Jimmy Fallon talking about missing Gene Wilder mm, and yeah. stuff like that, so it was really something. Didn't he say but, something like, "He's like, I miss just being able to call yeah, him up." Yeah, yeah, just being able to call I, him I on the phone. I remember that. Yeah, that was that was a tearjerker of an interview. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was really touching. I don't know. It's I don't know if it's a performance thing, Todd, or what. But just when you watch, when you watch two people who just just meld so well together, yeah. when that they're, they're just and you can see, you can just see that that this is just clicking on all fucking cylinders, and yeah. and 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 it's beyond the script, it's beyond the director, it's beyond everything else. It's just, yeah, it's incredible to watch. And I mean, the scene, <clears throat> I thought the movie, it, I was just like, oh, funny, amusing, you know. But when they start to have the meltdown in the prison, <laughs> is it, for me, for me. That's the moment when you when you're like, there's there's something special in this in this screen relationship. There's something special in this partnership because the, yeah. the both of them together were just fucking amazing. In I, that, I I seriously wonder sometimes when I watch the two of them in the films how much improvisation went on because there are certain elements in in all the films they've been in together that I'm like, this couldn't have been scripted. This yeah. looks like these two guys yeah. just playing off of each other mm-hmm. and just letting it happen. Right. And Wilder and, was talking about how, you know, that was one of the things. It's like you're on the same wavelength. Yeah. And you 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 just, he said at the end of that scene, he like turned to Pryor and he's like, did you plan that? Were you thinking about doing that? And Pryor was like, no, it just sort of came to me and, and he's like, but you? And he's like, yeah, I just, you know, because a lot of what they did just kind of synced and they were just doing it together at the moment. Just an amazing. And sometimes chemistry will transcend a bad, you know, bad direction or bad scripting. Yeah. But that script was good. And yeah. it gave them a nice framework to, to really do what they did. Now so you're making me want to go watch it again. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it's funny. I haven't watched that movie in fucking forever. But every time Wilder comes up or Pryor comes up, that is the first place my mind goes. And it's, you know, like, why haven't I watched this again? Because this, it really it, is. It's a great movie. It, I, it does give me PTSD, though. Oh? Uh, I, I, I got swatted because, because of that movie. You got swatted? <laughs> yeah. Not not in the new sense. Not like the, someone called my house oh, and said the swat. Oh, I, I see. I got a smack on the ass. 
because <laughs> you're in trouble. Whack. Uh, the the show the movie starts with them getting jobs as uh, in in woodpecker costumes for a bank. Right. Yeah. And they sing the song. You'll save money. Knock on wood. Mm-hmm. If you do what a good woodpecker should. You know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but the the song ends up with the, with the line, "You little pecker, you." Right. <laughs> yes. and, and so I went up to my mom and I sang it, and that that ah! that, that didn't go so well. <laughs> Can't imagine. <laughs> it's like, what, what I meant, woodpecker, mom, woodpecker. <laughs> Where did you hear that? Uh, I couldn't tell her. I'm not I, gonna, I know where it's from, but you're going to take it away from me. I'm not going to go to my friend's house and watch uh, video desks anymore. <laughs> that, it's so funny because it's like you make your own goddamn trouble. It's like yeah, the stories I've heard of, of, of guys who like would go to their friends and watch movies that they're not allowed to watch and then they fucking talk about it and it's like what the fuck do you think is about to happen you're gonna get <laughs> i didn't understand the joke yeah but you sang the song right? the songs from the movie right. you peckerhead right not that that mom would have known she never would have watched that <laughs> oh god so so she I, she's gonna, her son's walking up and calling so, her a pecker so you think <laughs> your mom's just going to be impressed with your little song <laughs> My friends laughed at it, so <laughs> so I thought she'd laugh at it too. Oh, oh God! No one is laughing. <laughs> I wasn't laughing. Oh man! I learned early on if you go to have to go to your friend's house to watch a movie that you can't watch at home, you don't say yeah, shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I used to have one friend. We. Dude, we we did things like we found our father's porn videos. Oh, good times! And we would have sleepovers where we would, I would, uh, Mom, we're gonna copy some movies tonight, so I'm gonna take the VCR down to Mike's. Okay, and we go there, and we we dupe, and we'd have our own porn oh, videos wow, and everything. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. It just we we were very technological, and he wouldn't shut his mouth. He tell everyone at school. Oh my God, we got you know, and it's just like, dude, what are you? You know, you, it, people would walk up, oh, wow, Kirsten, we heard about you. And I'm like, what the hell? And it's like, Mike, shut up. Loose Cause, lips, motherfucker. Because it's like I kept my mouth shut. You little pecker, you? Yes. It's like, you know, I, I kept quiet. But, man, he just could not stop fucking talking. God damn. It was a fun song. <laughs> little pecker, you. Oh, God. Robert Downey Jr. and Susan Levin are executive producing a Netflix adaptation of Jeff Lemire's Sweet Tooth comic series published by Vertigo. Written and drawn by Lemire, also known for creating Black Hammer, Uh, Sweet Tooth tells the story of Gus, part deer, part boy hybrid, living in a post-apocalyptic world. Upon leaving the safety of his home, quote, he joins a ragtag family of humans and animal children hybrids like himself in search of answers about this new world and the mystery behind the hybrid origins, unquote, reads the synopsis provided by Netflix. Uh, Jim (laughs) Mickle, uh, who did In the Shadow of the Moon, and Beth Schwartz from Legends of Tomorrow will have been tapped as co-showrunners, writers, and executive producers, and the show will consist of eight one-hour episodes. Uh, I... I I know I've read at least the first comic trade of Sweet Tooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember if I liked it or not, though. I can't remember a darn thing about it. I remember well, it was a hit when it came out. That that I mean, ordinarily I'd say that should tell you something about it right there. But 
We're all getting old. It's yeah. all new to me. <laughs> I had to rewatch a Nightmare on Elm Street movie to figure out why I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that shows how much my brain retains. Yeah. I, I I finished. I reread for the fourth time. I, I read Piers Anthony's uh, "On a Pale Horse," mm. and some of it was still new to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've read this the fourth time. I've read it, and I'm like, I don't remember this part at all. And I only read it two years ago. Man, poor Todd. You know, Jeff, he's going to enter dementia, and and everything will be new to him, and he'll still have a huge list of books he never read in the first place. Hey, he's got a wife now. I don't have to worry about taking care of him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> on top I, you know what I can't even promise that I haven't seen the movies I told you I haven't seen that's true I might have very well have seen Kroll yeah we might as well change that that <laughs> secret page to Todd, Todd doesn't me. remember this yet <laughs> Todd don't remember shit that's <laughs> Todd may not have seen this yet <laughs> uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are developing a new Evil Dead film as producers in a recent interview with Empire, Campbell said, quote, We are just getting off the phone with Lee Cronin, who is writing and directing the next Evil Dead. Uh, it's called Evil Dead Now. Sam handpicked Lee, and he did a cool movie called The Hole in the Ground. We're going to get that sucker out as soon as practical, unquote. That's a long title. Right. <laughs> right. Evil Dead Now, Sam handpicked Lee. That's a, it's weird. I, moon is a hole in the ground. We're going to get that sucker picked out, right? Right. <laughs> All they need to add to the word is rim in there. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> when talking about the future of the franchise and the Evil Dead films that are coming, Campbell went on to say, quote, from this point forward, they kind of have to stand on their own, which is fine and liberating. You could have different heroes, different heroines in this case, uh, this one's going to be a little more dynamic. We just want to keep the series current. Uh, and the mantra really is that our heroes and heroines are just regular people. That's what we're going to continue, unquote. Campbell has confirmed that there are multiple Evil Dead films in the works. Hmm. Bring it on. Interesting. Yeah. Bring on more Evil Dead. I still have not seen, at least I don't remember seeing, <laughs> uh, that re that new Evil Dead that they did. The the movie? The new movie, Evil Dead. Uh, that was kind of a reboot-ish okay. kind of thing. It, it was okay. Okay. I mean, it, it, you know, it was it was a movie. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, know what to say about it. I, I heard it took itself a little too seriously. Yeah, I'd say it 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 definitely lacked, there, there, there was no camp to it. So, so closer, it closer yeah. in tune to the first film. Yeah. Because even, even, even that the their first film, yeah. Well, the first film has camp to it, not on purpose. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's, yeah, that, that's why I was trying to figure out yeah. how to say it. The second one's in, intentionally campy. The first film is kind of awful in regards. Yeah. It's 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 there's it's, honestly it's, there's so much. I I I've watched the first Evil Dead recently, mm -hmm. and there's so much that I'd forgotten about it just because. Sure. Don't get me wrong. It's it's very low-budget independent film when it was produced, and I've worked on films like that, so I don't have much of a leg to stand on saying it's not a great film. It's 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 it's, it's, it's hampered by budget. Yes. It's, it's hampered by, yes. quite frankly, talent in some ways. Yes. Um, I mean, even Bruce Campbell isn't at his best in that right. first film. It, it is a first movie for a lot of people. Yes. The, the second film, by far, is a huge improvement. And it's and it's not a perfect film by any stretch. No, but, but it, it's a major improvement. But it knows it's going for yes. fun, and that gives it a lot of leeway for forgiveness. It's got a good mix of the outright terrifying horror 
with the campiness. So it doesn't it doesn't go too far one direction or the other. The more recent Evil Dead movie, I feel it said, okay, we're going to be a horror film and that's all we're going to be. And that's what they went for. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I just say for, for me, it didn't, it didn't click. Okay. Like it's, it's not a bad film. Sure. And I, I, frankly, I don't think it's a bad idea to revisit sure. that first one and make it a tough in your face horror yeah. movie again. Sure. It's worth a shot. Uh, of course, it sounds whether it was a successful or not. Right. Mileage may vary. Mm. I just like because I just like the mix of the two. Because I mean, either, well, the, yeah, the, the Ash versus Evil Dead series. The, I loved that series because, yeah, you still had the 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 Sam Raimi esque in your face horror, exaggerated monsters, crazy weird things going on, and Ash being Ash, but almost like. It's it's an older Ash, so his quirks are a little more extreme in the series, but he was balanced out very well by the other two characters yeah, that are with him. So for, for Evil Dead, you've got to have you got to have both. I think that's kind of the hallmark of it. That's where they they kind of found themselves in the second movie and hit it in Army of Darkness and yeah and and so if you take it real seriously, are you an Evil Dead movie? Sure, and and Evil Dead Two and onward. It was creative in design. Its its creatures are now iconic and very unusual for mm-hmm. its time. Uh, just new, fun, over the top stuff with <clears throat> effects. Yeah, and and, oh. stu- and stuff that they were hampered by because they had to. Like we can't make blood come out of the walls because they're going to give us a rated X. So right. let's make it green, you know, and it won't be blood. It'll be ooze of some sort. Yeah. Decisions like that. I I really thought it was, you know, for me, a brilliant decision when they were going with the the blood in the in Evil Dead Two and on, and all the way through Ash vs Evil Dead. If you're gonna have blood splash on a character, you don't just do, you know, a single bucket full. You're talking buckets full that you go exaggerated to the extreme, the other direction. I thought that was a brilliant. now, now you guys are making me want to see a <laughs> Evil Dead Chrome edition. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I, they're saying more movies. I wouldn't mind seeing the characters from Ash vs. Evil Dead, Kelly and Pablo, that were the, you know, the partners. I don't want to call them sidekicks because they really weren't. Um, yes, Ash was still the hero, but they held their own. In fact, in many cases, bailed Ash out. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing those characters go forward in, you know, in a movie. So far, there's nothing to indicate that that is what is sure. happening. Uh, from what I'm gathering for the interview bits that they've done thus far, which isn't a lot, right? Um, is pretty much what he said that the Evil Dead is. It's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the '80s franchises. Uh, Freddy is the same. Jason is the same. All the other characters are different. Let's, right. Let's throw another group at this this evil entity and see what happens. Sure. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see Bruce in a. I want to see him Captain Pike style. Dude, make him, put it, him in Star Trek already. Ding, <laughs> you know, just in his wheelchair. Boop. <laughs> yeah. That's you know. I would watch Bruce Campbell as a Star Trek captain. Yeah, I'm just saying. You know. Well, sure. But then, you know, like his wheelchair could pop out a Gatling gun on the side. <laughs> <laughs> 
the, the chainsaw like rotates exactly exactly <laughs> you know and he just like spins in a circle <laughs> you know i think that's that's uh that's what i want to see i, I i've right. changed i've changed i've come around i want to see i want to see harrison ford doing indiana jones and until he's like <laughs> not able to walk yeah in, in a hospice <laughs> on a ventilator and it's just you know until they have to move like a puppet on strings yeah exactly i, I, I you know you I moved re- his arm too far i i felt bad uh you know looking back on on what i what i thought of like crystal skull because i'm like ah, I, I want this i i mean i think part of it is i guess his uh, now now i'm getting off track no, really? Uh, on this show? <laughs> on Shock? That never happened. Why stop now? <laughs> in Force Awakens, he so obviously was actually enjoying himself that it was it was it was actually a treat. So I don't know, you know, I can't judge where his head was for uh, Crystal Skull, but Force Awakens, he I I think he was actually enjoying himself and it showed and it was just you know, and even the poignancy in Rise of Skywalker, I thought was, uh, was uh, I thought that was a, a good moment there. So I don't know. I just, you know. That, that really was a great scene between. I th- it, you know, I watched, uh, we talked about this before. I watched that Everything Great About Rise of Skywalker, and I think that guy hit, he hit a lot of, a lot of nice points, and that was one of the ones he hit on. That was one of the ones that he uh, touched. Yeah, because it's funny because you you know you think about Harrison Ford and all the different roles he's played, and you know he's going back and playing that character again. In and in this particular case, the you know the vision of right. you know a, a, a mental projection, just a memory, yeah, of his father, and but he's he's simultaneously playing. Han Solo, the way that you know him, but a more mature Han Solo, mm-hmm. and I think it's some of the best acting I've seen him do. Well, yeah, and, I mean, and no, it's I felt not that to say way that anything, Force Awakens. Yeah, it's like, and it's not to say that anything that he's done before was bad. No. It's just like that was such a touching scene, you know. Even with the character of Kylo realizing that's not really his father, right? In you right. know, it's just and it, Adam Driver memory. was good in that yeah. scene too. Driver, it, it, it was really funny. I I appreciated Adam Driver a hell of a lot more. I think I appreciate him a hell of a lot more in uh, in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I don't know. It's just fucking weird. It's fucking whole fucking things fucking weird, you know. <laughs> um, but it, uh, yeah, yeah. Bruce, more, more come Ford. on. More Bruce, more Harrison. Come on. <laughs> Where, where's Bubba Hotep too? Come on, Bruce. Oh, wow. Come on. Tom he, Coscarelli. I mean, you know, look at it this way. He's aging into the part. <laughs> I like it. You know? Right? How, how far can you skip? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. skippity doo K. And we will talk to you next week in Geek. And I, and I have to say, for the record, I'm really impressed because I know that Jeff is not a big fan, but he came here wearing a Harry Potter shirt, and I'm really, really impressed wow. by it. I'm not wearing a Harry Potter shirt. Yeah, of course it is. That's a, that's a Gryffindor shirt through and through. 
It's a Doctor oh, Who yeah. shirt, and it's a Doctor Who shirt that you gave me for my no, birthday. No, 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 no. I know a Doctor Who shirt when I see it. That is Slytherin. Doctor Who has it's all red through and through. There would be like brown on the back because he wears the brown. We look coat at the tag and so on. <laughs> what Slytherin? I, 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 There's an awful lot of red for Slytherin, isn't there? No, no, no. It's Gryffindor. Oh, Gryffindor. Yeah. Well, did, did, I mean, there's a little bit of green in it, but that doesn't mean it's yeah, sure. But know, but overall, that is a Gryffindor shirt, uh, yeah, Jeff. Yeah. I'm impressed that you you <laughs> let, even though you're not a fan of Harry Potter, yeah. that 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 shirt just screams. Did you he, know what? I, I respect your fan. Did he finish the whole like series, or you know, which, which book did he stop at? Uh, I think I never it, read any of the books. I think it was negative one. I think that I, was. I've watched. I think three he's. Of I, the films. I think he's thrown one book of it before. I think that's. I don't yeah. know, man. I don't know. So, uh, um, yeah, whatever. Okay. I yeah. don't know, man. I don't know. So, uh, um, yeah, whatever. Okay. I don't yeah. know, man. I don't know. So, uh, um, yeah, whatever. Okay. I yeah. don't know, man. I don't know. So, uh, um, yeah, whatever. Okay. I yeah. don't know, man. I don't know. So, uh, um, yeah, whatever. Okay, I yeah. don't know, man. I don't know. So, uh, um, yeah, whatever. Okay, I yeah. don't know, man. I don't know. So, uh, um, yeah, whatever. Okay, I yeah. don't know, man. I don't know. So, uh, um, yeah, whatever. Okay, I yeah. don't know, man. I don't know. So, uh, um, yeah, whatever. Okay, I 